pick up our Bibles, as is our custom around here, wave them around, make Jesus glad, the devil mad. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I've tuned in on Wednesday night, and I am hungry for more, more of your spirit, more of your word, more of your presence. I thank you, Father, tonight that this is not just random, but what you have is just for me, and I believe I receive revelation that will build my faith and develop my spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got two places to turn to tonight. We'll start with Mark chapter 6 and uh, start with verse 5 and then Matthew chapter 8 while you're looking to mark your Bible. I'm not going to read all of the verses. I'm just going to read a couple of verses in each one for time. But um, in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, this is Jesus preaching in his own hometown, and they were offended at him. They, they said, who does he think he is? And, uh, you know, they just, they just didn't accept him because they knew him from childhood. And uh, in verse 5, it says, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Everybody say, he marveled. <laughs> and he went around, around about the villages teaching. All right, and then uh, in Matthew chapter 8, in verse, uh, in verse 10, the centurion, you know, had a servant, and, and, he, and, the, and centurion, Jesus was going to come to his house. He said, you know, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, when he heard that response, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. In verse 13, and Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And so tonight, I just wanted to share a message entitled, When Jesus Marveled. When Jesus Marveled. There's only two places in the Bible where Jesus marveled. I mean, you know, Jesus had been around for a long time, <laughs> for all of eternity. <laughs> I mean, he's seen a lot of things. I mean, he saw Satan as lightning cast down from heaven. He'd, he'd seen this. He'd seen that. He'd seen all kind of things. He'd and yet he, there's just two cases where, it note, where we notice that he marveled. And uh, the first case was, was they, he marveled at uh, their unbelief. You know, it must, it must take a lot to make him marvel. I mean, marvel is just, it's not, not, it's greater than surprise. It's greater, you know, marvel is kind of a strong word. That, that's how I read my Bible. I look at words and I think, well, that's a strong word. What about this? What about this made him marvel? What about this caused him so much surprise? Not surprise, but even uh, it's negative delight. You know, marvel in the positive, it, you know, you're, you're delighted. You're, you're, you, you love the response that you got. And in the negative side, it's the negative of that. And so he was more than disappointed. Uh, and so what was it about this that impressed Jesus to marvel so much that the Holy Ghost inspired men to write it in the Bible? They couldn't have written this unless the Holy Ghost inspired them to write it. So 
The first case, unbelief caused him to marvel at his own hometown. And his friends and family were amazed. If you read on up here it, uh, in Mark, it, it basically says that uh, they had acknowledged the miracles. I mean, they, they didn't doubt the miracles. That, that was, that's kind of amazing. It says uh, they were astonished. They heard, uh, many that heard him were astonished. And it says, where, where, where did he get all this that he's teaching? Where, where did he get this? And that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. So they admitted that he had miracles, and yet they were offended at him. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and all of that? But see, they've known him all of his life. Are not his sisters here with us? They were offended. They were offended at him. And so uh, they just looked at him in the natural standpoint. They didn't accept him as a teacher. They certainly didn't accept him as the Messiah because they knew they'd been with him all their lives. And they just, they just here's the guy, the carpenter's son, you know. Uh, the last time we noticed, he was making chairs and tables at his daddy's shop and, you know, all this kind of thing. And the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. And one, uh, one translation says, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them of minor ailments. So we see that he marveled at their unbelief. Unbelief uh, really has got two kinds. There's two kinds. First of all, ignorance. Unbelief caused by Ignorance. And, of course, ignorance can be partial ignorance. It can be total ignorance. And the cure for ignorance is what? Teaching. That's why Jesus went about the town's teaching. He responded not by being insulted. He didn't respond by taking it personally. He responded by teaching. They need teaching. They need to find out what God's Word says. And they need, to, they need to know what God's Word says. They need to know about their covenant. And so I, I like what T.L. Osborne said one time. He said, many of you are waiting till I quit teaching to get your healing, and I'm waiting for you to get your healing so I can quit teaching. <laughs> and so uh, if ignorance is, is, the, is the reason for unbelief, and ignorance is curable, then unbelief is curable. All unbelief is curable. Somebody that is an unbeliever can be a believer. I mean, there's just, there, that's just all there is to it. And we can't just snap our fingers sometimes and cure it. We have to keep teaching and teaching and preaching the Word of God. And that's what Jesus did. He went about teaching and preaching and healing in that order. And uh, so, you know, if you can cure unbelief, you can cure anything. Because unbelief is the absolute blockage of God's power to do anything. I mean, many people die of diseases. They, they die, you know, uh, of, of accidental deaths. And all of that is curable when, when, their, when their believer starts kicking in, when they believe, when they believe they're led by the Spirit and the Spirit can speak to them and lead them in their daily lives where they are on the Holy Ghost schedule that would deliver them from being in a place where there's a sh mass shooting or being in a pileup on the freeway where people are killed in a car wreck and so forth and so on. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost knows everything. And if you've got faith to follow Him, see, that can keep you alive for a long time. 
It can help you to overcome sickness and disease, your, your, your faith. So unbelief can, is curable because ignorance is, is curable. And then the other part of unbelief is disobedience, stubbornness, or inaction. You know, sometimes people do believe, but they, they're just plain disobedient. They won't make the adjustments necessary. For instance, they're just bound and determined to carry a grudge. Well, when you carry a grudge, you block. You might believe that Jesus is your healer, and you might believe everything the preacher's saying, but if you're going to hang on to, un, to unforgiveness, well, you're blocking God's power from healing you. Because you, you, you know, you're putting up a roadblock. So you, you're carrying unforgiveness, which is, is a disobedience to, to the law of love. Uh, some people are stubborn. They won't make adjustments. You know, God can speak to you to make adjustments in your, uh, in your priorities in life. You know, a lot of times sickness is a result of just bad, bad habits, not getting enough rest, not eating correctly, you know, so forth and so on. I, I don't want to turn this into a health message, but, but we have our part to play. And many times it's our own disobedience or stubbornness or inaction that uh, causes God's uh, power not to be released. And so, uh, the children of Israel could not enter into the promised land. You know, you know, God told them all about it. They saw what a great land it was. They saw how it flowed with milk and honey. Everything that God told them about the promised land was true, and they verified it. And yet, they were too stubborn to go in. They just, they just decided that they were more afraid of the giants than they were of God. They just were more afraid of, of the wall cities. And, and, they, and, and so, what happened? Well, until you can get somebody to, you know, until you can get somebody motivated to change their way of thinking and to change their way of acting. That's what's so great about a local church. Because in a local church, you've got believers around you. And when, and when one believer sees another believer start to depart and do things that's uncharacteristic for them and having a bad confession or they're acting up or they're acting out, you know, listen, brother, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Nobody tell you the truth. I love you. I just want to tell you, you know, you need to change. <laughs> you know, so it, it helps to have good uh, Bible-believing friends that will be patient with you and pray for you, but also speak the truth and love to you. And, uh, and so the cure would be persuaded to, uh, uh, to obey and act on God's Word. See, that would be the cure to that stubbornness or that disobedience. And so, uh, but and what had happened with Joshua and Caleb? Didn't they try to persuade? See, they got up and persuaded. Oh, come on, guys, you know better than that. I mean, God, if God is with us, there, there's no problem. They're bread for us. Let's go up at once and take them. But they would not be persuaded. They wouldn't. And so uh, it gets back to the fact that uh, unbelief will just hinder God's power in your life. Unbelief has got to be stamped out. You know, faith moves God. I like Smith Wigglesworth quote on this. Faith moves God. Faith moves mountains. But faith won't move anything until it moves you. <laughs> and we have to move first our mouth. Our mouth has got to start speaking words of faith. And then we've got to act like the Bible is true. There's always more than just speaking. We're going to have to act. We're going to have to move in a direction. And, uh, and then we see that our faith is really being evidenced by our actions. That's what 
the true definition of faith is. All right, and then the second case over in Matthew, where Jesus marveled, uh, he marveled in the positive with the faith of the centurion. And so just to remind you, didn't read the verses, but you can go back and read them all. The centurion had a, a servant sick at home of the palsy, which we know the palsy was a terminal disease. There's no cure for it, no known cure. And he went to Jesus and, uh, and told him the situation. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Oh, no, Lord, I, you're not, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, for my servant shall be healed. Because I am a man under authority. So here's a Roman centurion. And the first thing he talked about, he says, I have a boss. <laughs> you know, I am a man under authority. And when I say to this man, now he starts talking about his authority. See, he first had to say he was under authority, and then he could say, I know about authority because when I say to this man, go, and he goes. And this man, come, and he comes, and to this man, do it, do this, and he does it. Yeah, I understand authority. In other words, you couldn't be doing what you're doing unless you had the highest authority, God's own authority. And when Jesus heard that answer, he marveled. Oh, he was so overjoyed. He said, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. And when he said that in front of all these witnesses, you have to understand the Jews hated the Romans. They called them dogs. And, uh, and for him to elevate this, the Roman centurion, and to say that he hadn't found that kind of faith in Israel, well, you know, that was that punched the, the religious crowd right in the, right in the belly. <laughs> and Jesus was doing that quite often. He was often just poking the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wouldn't sees, the couldn't sees. He delighted in uh, showing their, their unbelief to themselves. And he said, you know, and then he goes on. We didn't read this part. He said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and sit, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, he's saying dead religion can't, serve, can't save you. Dead religion cannot save you. And this is what he was sent. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Many of them were lost. They're going to hell. Why? Because they had just turned back their back on God's word. They turned their back on the law and they were acting like they didn't have any, any wrong associated with them because of all their little rules that they seemingly obeyed. And so he was constantly confronting that. Are you with me now? So, uh, he said, no, it's, you've, got, you've got a living, you, you're serving a living God, not a dead religion. You're serving a living God. See, that's, that's the thing that our God lives on the inside of us. The Holy Ghost lives on the inside. Just never forget the greater one lives in you. He, the Holy Ghost quickens our mortal bodies. I mean, the Holy Ghost can, is our comforter. He's our, our advocate. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. He's our wisdom. Hallelujah. So if you believe God's word in your heart, then God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word is in his mouth. See, that's the wonder of, of the word of faith. And that's why I'm so uh, impressed uh, to, to uh, spend a lot of time uh, in messages that I bring you 
uh, building your faith, building, building to stamp out all vestiges of unbelief, to stamp out all vestiges of doubt. You know, the devil will try to make you doubt. He'll get in your mind. Well, you know what? As long as you'll hold on to faith in your heart, your faith will work with your faith in your heart will work with doubt in your head. But, but begin to uh, you know begin to resist that doubt in your head. Don't let doubt hang around. Get rid of the doubt. Doubt your doubts, <laughs> and believe your beliefs. The moment you act on God's word, then God takes full responsibility for the results. See, in other words, put pressure on the word. See, you don't have any pressure. Those of you, I know some of you are fighting uh, battles in your health. And you're having to go to the doctor. Some of you have had procedures. Some of you are getting over procedures. We're going to speak over you in a minute. Others of you that I may not even know about. But uh, one thing I do know is, is that, that uh, you, you just continue to put pressure on the Word. Don't, don't take any pressure on don't, don't feel like you're under the gun. Don't feel like, oh, I guess I'm not, I guess my faith isn't working. Yes, your faith is working as long as your mouth is working, as long as you're resisting this disease. Your faith is working. I just want to encourage you. Your faith is working. Your faith makes you whole. Your faith makes you whole. So let's operate in faith to make Jesus marvel. That's what I want to do. I want him to be I want him to be marveled in the positive, not in the negative. I want him to be marveled at the faith of Glorious Way Church, the faith of each one of you, my family, me, Gladys. We want, to mar we want Jesus to marvel, not so we can just pat ourselves on the back, but we want to please him in every way. Let's lift your hands and receive. When Jesus marveled, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.